welcome to yet another episode of It Was All a Stream. I'm Chris Sachs, here alongside my co-host and cousin, Neil Carroll. Hello, everybody. We're doing this a little later than usual at, at night, mm. on a Sunday night. So pardon us if we're a little groggy. It works work for our morning. discussion of horror later on. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Mm. Um, we did, however, before we get to the horror, True. watch episodes five and six of The Mandalorian in our rewatch, Mandalorian season one rewatch, leading up to the premiere. We are two weeks away now, less a little less than two weeks away from the season two premiere. How excited are you? I'm very excited because doing the rewatch is getting me ramped up. It's reminding me what a genius uh, Favreau is, the Favs. It's reminding me, especially in these last two episodes, of just hardcore uh, Star Wars lore, mythos, and fun stuff that I want to see. And we'll talk about that. So I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm excited. Also, like, you know, I won't jump ahead, but having already watched the series... I'm very curious to see if they're going to work in some characters that I, I hope are coming. If you, Oh yeah. If you read into the final episodes. Um, so as always, there will be spoilers in this discussion. If you haven't, if you aren't watching along with us, I will yep. again, as usual have in our episode description, wherever it is that you're listening it will be time stamped so you could skip ahead to the next topic if you don't want Mandalorian spoiled for you. Episode five, it's funny because these were actually back to back my least favorite episode. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. And my favorite episode okay. uh, of season one. So, episode five, not my favorite. Um, the Mandalorian, he's in a dogfight being pursued by another bounty hunter and he ends up escaping and taking out the other bounty hunter but not without damage uh so he lands in a familiar place most eisley on tatooine and never a more wretched hive of scum and villainy oh yes and just so happens to um land in the one garage where the mechanic is just the nicest person in the world although very money savvy uh True. but ended up being very lucky and he now needs some um, some money to pay for all the damage that this repair ship repair exact person repairs. is going to have to do uh so goes to the local watering hole and uh comes upon another bounty hunter he's a rookie trying to get into the guild and has a mission to uh, track down an elite mercenary, mm. Fennec Shand. Shand yes. was her Shand. last name? Shand. Shand. So, long story short, they find Fennec they after s- some, you know, little run-in with Tusken Raiders and you know, her sniping and they do some distraction techniques to get to her. And 
the issue is they don't have two speeders anymore because she destroyed one of them. So Mandalorian, he leaves the rookie assassin with Fennec to be influenced by Fennec and yep. goes to get another mode of transportation so that they could bring the bounty back home. Um, Fennec talks the, the young rook into uh, really influences him and lets him know that, Hey, you're going after me, but do you realize who the Mandalorian is? He's wanted all over the place. He's a much bigger catch and you're trying to make a name for yourself. He's got some sort of baby with him and he's seen the baby. So he kills Fennec goes off attempts to hold baby Yoda hostage, which again, just putting baby Yoda in danger, constant, just your heart just wants to explode. You're so nervous. Uh, Of course, of course, Mando gets out of it. Naturally. Ends up killing the young rook and um, escaping with Baby Yoda to move on to the next mission. Al, let's talk about a couple of things. Can we talk about a couple of highlights from this episode? Let's do it. So this is, you said this was your least or your favorite? This one was my least favorite. Least. Okay. Granted, I can, I can understand least there's a couple of Easter eggs at the end. Who is this person? We don't know who that person is. Could it yes. be who we think it is? So I like this for that. But I do not enjoy uh, the it, – it felt needlessly elongated. Yes. Like it felt just drug, drug out. Other than that, let's talk about what we see. So we see he lands in Mos Eisley, and two things – have changed in Mos Eisley from the last time we were there in 1977. One, the decoration outside has now just all been replaced with uh, stormtrooper heads Correct. on spikes. Okay. Yep. Now inside the bar, we have serving drinks, a droid behind the bar. Mm-hmm. This would be interesting to all those diehard fans out there because the Tatooine Mos Eisley bar was notoriously prejudiced against robots. When C-3PO and R2-D2 roll in there with Luke, the bartender says, they'll have to wait outside. We don't serve their kind here. Interesting. I never picked up on that. So there has been a definite change in uh, ownership and culture. Yeah. So it proves the oh, look uh, at them you know. making progress on most Eisley, yeah. you know, droid rights nice and all know. and all. But uh, moving on, we were now we're in the bar and we're introduced to the young buck bounty hunter. And he is yes, his name is Toro Calican. Toro. There you go. He is seated in the very same position in which we're introduced to Han Solo. Which is kind of like he's not deserving of 100%. such honor. 100%. Happy to see Tusken Raiders again. You know, the Sam mm-hmm. people. Happy to yeah. see that. And Mando knows how to speak to them in sign language. Well, comes which in is, handy. it does come in handy, but I was going to talk about that because I think that's a great choice for a character who's essentially expressionless. Yeah. 
So his face is entirely covered and to use like a sign language, body language type communication was a genius choice because it just allows that actor to do more. And he's proven himself very, very capable. Mm -hmm. But we come to at the end of like this episode kind of comes and goes it introduces a lot of interesting tidbits and like oh look most eisley oh speeders again and uh sand people and all that and then yoda coming down the um gangplank the gangway of the ship was adorable but other than the character of um uh the docking bay owner or watcher you know this is you know this this kind of was a get through episode like this just forward the plot a little bit and got us to where we needed to go. I see. I felt the, the issue that I had with it was it felt like it didn't forward the plot at all. Well, see, because now, the, it already had uh, basically, essentially we went through this entire episode to set up the last scene at the end with the, the footsteps right. of the guy checking on um, yeah. Fennec uh, seeing that she had been killed so that was the entire otherwise nothing really moved the story forward it was just we're here this is what's happening we've already established that people are after um mando and and baby yoda especially when they're in the far reaches of the world the episode before and somehow an assassin comes to them so that kind of is that even though that was very much a one-off you're still setting up um the the recurring character of Cara Dune, who we'll see later, and sure. you're setting up the fact that like it doesn't matter where they go, they're always going to be chased. Even though Mando wants the best for Baby Yoda and wants him to be able to grow up and have a, a life and a childhood, it's not possible right now because they're being chased. We didn't need that rehashed again in the follow-up episode. Agreed, agreed. But the follow-up episode, I feel like, because it's a bottle episode. So in the argument of forwarding the plot and not forwarding the plot, I think both of our, I won't say maybe not, like maybe it's not my favorite, but it's a, I really love the next episode that we're going to talk about. I love that this, now the next episode was my favorite. But that does nothing to forward the plot, essentially. Not much, but but there are characters, multiple characters in this episode that you know are going to show up later on in this series, whether it's season two, season three, whatever it is. There's right. multiple characters that are now set up that are now enemies of, of Mando. Um, so in that sense, it does. And... Again, if you're going to do a bottle episode, one, don't do bottle episodes back to back. Agreed. And Agreed. two, if you're going to do it, we really saw the difference between the, the quality of one was the, the least effective episode of the season. And then the other was the most effective and probably the most entertaining of the season. 
Correct. So should we just get into... Let's get into it because I'm very excited about it. Okay. So I'm going to get into it. This one, I'm actually going to attempt to read the Wikipedia uh, summary just because there's a lot going on and there's a lot of characters and I don't want to miss anything. So Mandalorian, he connects with his former partner, Ran Malik, for work. Ran welcomes him to the space station and informs the Mandalorian that he needs his ship for a five-man job. He is joined by an ex-imperial sharpshooter, Mayfeld, Deveronian strongman, Berg. Mayfeld is played by Bill Burr, um, a droid pilot, Q90, and Twi'lek, knife expert, Jian, Yep, I think her name is for a mission to rec- rescue Jian's brother, Quinn, a prisoner of the New Republic. After infiltrating the prison ship, they fight through security droids and make it to the control room where the ship's security chief triggers a security beacon before being killed by Jian. I'm going to stop there real quick. Let's <laughs> go over that portion of the episode, and then I'll continue on with the, the episode summary. Let's kind of okay. like walk people through. So... Mando, he gets to Malik's space station, and we're introduced to this cast of characters. Yes. Mayfeld's never seen a Mandalorian before. Berg is just a giant devil. (laughs) And uh, Mando obviously has an issue with Q90, who right. seems extremely smart and efficient, even though later on he can't find Baby Yoda somehow. And Gian has had a relationship right. with Mando in the past. So this was a crew that Mando ran with back in the day that they're revealing to us. Which is interesting on several levels. Okay. Because so he's had some kind of relationship with this crew. He's had, you know, some kind of, uh, they hint at some romantic dealing. Um, how does that work with your armor and your mandoness? Because he just keep the questions. helmet on. This is the way. I mean, kinky, but probably what happens. Second, since we're talking about just introducing all these people, first, Bill Burr, interesting choice. He really does nothing for me as a comedian. I find him to be like, like ungrateful for his celebrity, mm. which irritates. Interesting. Me. Yeah, when he gives interviews, he's like such a douche. Well, he when he me. gives interviews, he's how he is during his stand-up. That's just yeah. him. He's Which always that. Upsets me. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. In this, he did a good In job. In this, I thought he did a really good job. Like, he did a really good job. His acting was on point. I'm happy with it. Which is another reason this episode works, because next to him, you've got two of my favorite character actors and kind of the glue that hold movies together. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the best leading people, but definitely great like cartilage of a film. You've got Clancy Brown, who many of you will remember is the Kurgan from Highlander. Okay. Okay. The bad guy. He's also the voice of Krusty Krab, Mr. Krab. Mm Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm drawing a blank, I'm drawing a blank, I'm drawing a blank. He was, oh, he is the voice in cartoon and in television of Gorilla Grodd. Yes. Just for your information. Gotcha. But he is an excellent 
actor. Like he's just awesome mm -hmm. to be in roles like this where he's, you know, they, they do something interesting with him. They mess up his face. They give him all kinds of crazy hairdos or he's, you know, like the regular guy where they didn't put makeup on him, but he's forwarding the story standing next to the guy that's in the lead. And he's just awesome. Like just awesome at being the cartilage of, of movie scenes following him. I just want to talk about two other actors. The other guy who, like I said, is like cartilage is um, Mark Boone yes. Jr. Yep. He does an excellent, excellent job of just being weird. Yeah, he is most, I don't know if you're going to know him from this, but he is most famous for his role probably in Sons of Anarchy, which he was awesome in. Right on. So, and I, I've heard good things about that show. I was not a Sons of Anarchy guy, but he's, you know, he's played in over 150 movies. Probably his best movie role was as Floss in Batman Begins, the kind of dirty cop that partners with Gary mm -hmm. Oldman. And just excellent. Like when he's, when he's in a movie, he's doing something interesting in every scene. Like he's making a choice. Yep which I love. Now, the person who is up and coming and also good at becoming one of those cartilage people in films in the skeleton that makes up a film is the Twi'lek girl. Yes, Natalia Tena. Yes. Most famous for um, being in the Game of Thrones series. Game of Thrones series. And in Harry Potter as well. Correct. And her trademark is fierce eyebrows, which she's got rolling. Yes. But so now we've introduced this character. I love these actors. I love what's going on. Uh, something to note is Clancy Brown's devil character should look familiar to everybody because a very similar devil character was seen in the cantina scene in the original star Wars. In fact, it upsets me because they have since removed him and CGI placed someone else in there because he looked too devil-like. Interesting. And yeah. we've seen Twi'leks before as well. We have seen Twi'leks before. So if you want to win Star Wars trivia with all of your friends, ask them the name and species of Jabba the Hutt's right-hand man. Okay, he was a Twi'lek. He's the guy that brings Luke Skywalker in, that Luke Skywalker Jedi mind tricks. His name is Bib Fortuna, and mm -hmm. he is a Twi'lek. Okay, and Twi'leks can be all like different colors like that. Because he's be all, got yeah. the, the, the long head tail, and she's got two. Correct. Okay. Now, apparently, that is where their like vital organs are. Oh, okay. So, the reason why they have those like crazy teeth is it's like an animal in the, in the wild. They do things, they adapt to keep themselves alive. So because they're so fragile, because their vital organs are in mm -hmm. those tendrils, they file their teeth down to make themselves look scarier and everything else. But they're, they're very peace loving people. Interesting. To the, except for the ones that we've ever met. Except um, for all the ones that we've ever met. Yes. Okay, cool. So, Moving continuing on. on, continuing on. So they're on the ship. The uh, ship's uh, security chief triggers the um, beacon for rescue. Uh, the crew rescues twin, uh, Quinn, who is, again, Xion's brother. 
but they double cross the Mandalorian. He escapes and defeats each crew member and then captures Quinn. So this was an awesome twist in this episode where he's going in, they've got a job to do. They're not like the, the members of the team who haven't worked with Mando before they're unsure of why he's even here and his skills. And he single-handedly takes down a group of droids and, um, then they betray him. It seems like that was the plan overall. He had right. some beef with Quinn. I, I, I guess he was the reason why he was captured or something. They don't really go into the story too much. That is what they lead you to believe, though. But basically what happens is they take Quinn out of the cell and then they trap Mando in the cell. Right. Um, and then Mando is able to escape. And literally, it's, it's a great sequence where he's just taking each member of that crew out one by one and you don't know what he's doing with them until the end but it is so like reminiscent of rambo it was like rambo in space where he's just taken out those you know those sheriffs that were going up into the mountain after him (laughs) one by one quietly like and people all looking around themselves like what's going on oh my god i like it was it was great pacing it kept you on the edge of your seat. He was, you know, you find out what he's doing with them all at the end. But the guy that the brother did nothing for me. The actor, the character, like I get it. It was all right. But I was so much more interested in every other character. Yeah. Than I and was I, in that guy. It's, that's okay too, because he's, it looks like he's not going to play much of a role anyways. Right. Um, meanwhile, back on Mando's ship, Q90 has found Baby Yoda. Um, he deciphers the, um, the original transmission from Grief Karga and realizes that Baby Yoda is in the ship. Um, but he's shot by Mando before he can do any harm to Baby Yoda. Thank goodness. Yes. So... Mando then brings a captured Quinn back to Ran and leaves with his payment. Ran immediately decides that he's going to launch a fighter to kill Mando behind his back. But they discover that the New Republic beacon was actually placed on Quinn. So instead of the New Republic rescue team going to the prison ship, they go to Ran's uh, to to Rand's ship and realize the beacon is there and they attack Rand's ship and blow his ship up. I was surprised that that would be the New Republic's response to a beacon is just, this is our our contingency plan is we press this button and you come blow us up. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess dangerous criminals they wanted some kind of extreme response that's their like escape response but they knew that that wasn't a prison ship Mm -hmm. obviously because they'd know what that looks like but they just knew that the beacon was coming from there and they're like well i guess this is what we shoot now those those are our exploding beacons so we're going after that that makes sense but it was nice nice to you know again see dog fights or see x-wings in action obviously they would be the preferred ship of the uh of the republic the newfound republic because that was what the rebellion used so it just makes sense Mm -hmm. to me 
And then at the very end, you see, because you're unsure of what Mando did to the people that he, uh, he took out on the ship, but in the final scene, you see that Mayfeld, Berg, and Zian are locked in the cell that Mando was originally in, just in that prison transport. Um, So they were spared by Mando, but you got to think that they're going to come into play at some point later on in the series. Because again, I think this was, I would imagine this was pretty close to the most universally liked episode of the season without, Um, and people really liked those characters. So I'd imagine they're going to come back again. And huge response on Rotten Tomatoes too, for what it's worth. There you go. There you go. Um, so I think that that does it for Mando this week. We've got two more episodes that we're going to rewatch next week. Chapter 7 and Chapter 8. The big finale of Season 1, which is going to be a ton of fun to talk about. And what's great about those two episodes is that they're really just one long episode. Yeah, um, They do connect very well together. So we're going to be able to talk about them in sequence just kind of as a whole a lot of interesting character points and a lot of lore a lot you know good stuff good stuff to come up um so we were going to dabble a little bit in trial of the chicago seven but we're gonna wait a week on that give people a chance to catch up on it Mm. co-host yes i know i blew that one i blew that deadline but well, you know we're gonna give people a chance to see it. They might yes. be, you know, they might be watching. You know what? Some it, of the new Halloween stuff to hit the streaming, and then they'll come to that. It might not have been one that people jumped on right away. So watch it, everyone. Watch it this week along with Neil because it. I watched it and it was actually very, very good. Um, it's everything you want out of an Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama. I so. Definitely watch it. It's it's great. I'll I might rewatch it for the sake of being able to talk about it next week. Um, all right. Well, it's that time of the podcast. Let's we missed it. out on it last week. We're gonna play rolling or trolling. So roll. for those of you who are just joining us for the first time and do not know what rolling or trolling is. I will be reading headlines for Neil to let me know if he's with what I'm saying or he, if he's against it and he's going to troll. So let's get started with our usual weekly Spider-Man 3 update. <laughs> right. Where there were a ton of rumors last week that were building up about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in talks to join Spider-Man 3. However, Sony has clarified that they have not yet officially signed on for the movie. Are you rolling or trolling Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield joining as many suspect Spider-Man 3? I am rolling with this because uh, Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man. Okay, I le- I love those Spider Mans, Spider Men. I don't know how you pluralize his Spider Man. Spider Men, Spider Men. I love it. I think he's he was the best. I think this new kid is great, Tom Holland. Um, Andrew Garfield. I feel like we should prevent him. 
I thought he was a good... I thought those movies weren't good, but I thought he was a good Spider-Man. Like, I, I thought he like... should have been, like... He should have succeeded in that role, but because of how trash those movies were, who could have succeeded? I, I understand that Hollywood requires its actors to be unblemished and beautiful, but... This is a high school nerd. The crux and core of Fair. the character is that he's an outcast. So you put Andrew Garfield, who looks like he was just cut from the stone that gods are made of. And then you have him date Emma Stone, who also peculiar, but beautiful. You know, he's, it's, it's not supposed to be like the two most beautiful people in the world. He's supposed to pine after the next door neighbor, the neighbor girl, who's out of his league, but he's a nice guy and eventually she comes around. Tom Holland, handsome, handsome man, but he looks a like boyish, a high schooler. Yes. And so he that's was where we get away with technically that. a high schooler when he At was first cast for the role Correct. all of the supporting characters all look like high schoolers they yes. don't look like adults that's right. always the knock on toby Maguire as well, well but he now they do you know, make Tobes, him they they, they push him through him college. college really quick yeah. but that was always my big issue with those originals which i did love those are great yes. great movies great. but the again the beginnings of spider-man is really a high school story and they never actually explored that in those original movies which is why i love the current ones so much correct you are 100 percent right the current movies are getting it right about the high schoolness of it all you know poor tobes was 108 when the film started and now he's just getting older and older so it'll be interesting how they work him in but again, he's an actor who's like, this is not the best looking actor in the world, Tobey Maguire. So that was working too. Um, I'm, I'm rolling with it. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be exciting. I like the multiverse idea. I'm a, I'm a DC fan from way back. And I know this is Marvel, but DC kind of pioneered and does the multiverse better. And I've been watching all the DC shows over again, catching up. So I'm in a multiverse mood. I like the idea that we're going to break in some older characters. It's a new idea for Marvel. And, you know, with all the people they have steering the ship over there, it's going to be good. And again, like, like we've been saying, I, again, I'm a, I like DC, but I'm a big Marvel guy. And part of me just loves the fact that, again, Marvel is beating DC to the punch with the multiverse because that's all DC's talking about with with their flash movie is that it's going to be flashpoint and they're going to be doing multiverse and michael keaton's coming back and all that and the marvel is just like oh you're doing that okay i guess we'll do that too and we're just going to do it faster and better than you are it's uh, yeah i almost feel like it's just a slap in the face they're just toying with them now at this point what are they trying to do (laughs) yeah watch this um also it seems like we're going to be getting some sort of teaser trailer or preview of spider-man 3 before the end of the year in december that's the rumor so that would be awesome um amazon prime is making some noise they spent up to or around 125 million dollars 
to buy the rights to Coming America 2 from Paramount. Interesting. So now, Coming to America 2 is coming to Amazon Prime in December. That is terrible. But yes, it is coming to uh, Amazon in December. December 18th, specifically. I am thrilled. I feel like this is going to be my favorite Christmas movie of the year. Um, I love Eddie Murphy. Like I recently, you know, I was going down a deep dive of old Disney um, scary movies, you know, Halloween Town, The Scream Team, uh, Don't Look Under the Bed, things like that. And I just happened across The Haunted Mansion, which is much maligned by all Eddie Murphy fans as like his worst movie. But it's, it's like a lot of fun. And he's being Eddie Murphy in it, who's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it reminded me that even when he phones it in, he's still hysterically funny. Yeah, that was actually a movie that me and my little cousins used to watch a lot because they would watch it over and over again. Whenever I was with them, I was just like, okay, let's do yeah. another round of Haunted Mansion. Let's do another round. It was and fine. It's, it was funny. It's fine. I don't right? remember yeah. it very well anymore. It's been such a long time, but. It's another one that's got the pacing right, so it doesn't feel like it's a chore. Right. It's like, oh, okay, we'll watch that. And then boom, you're in, you're out, and it's just you had fun. It's not a chore. So I'm, I'm excited. They're bringing back a lot of the cast from the original. I feel like they're going to do it right. Uh, from what I understand, it's an R rating, mm-hmm. which you know I'm glad it's not like, let's not appeal to a mass audience. Let's appeal to the audience that liked the original. Yes. Because that's who we're making this for. So I, I really agree with them. Stick into that. Sticking with the same kind of comedy, I hope. And it's going to be genius. You know what the sad part is? The two old men, Mortimer and, oh, I can't remember his other name. They've passed away. Yes. Don Amici was the actor. Mm-hmm. They've passed away. So they're not going to be able to make their cameo as the, the bums who went broke from trading places yeah but that would have been a nice thing maybe he'll throw in uh, a, some kind of mention to them but i'm rolling with it i'm rolling i'm rolling hard i'm glad it's coming to amazon i'm glad they're not going to put it out and make us wait for no one to go see it in a movie theater in the middle of flu season now that they've started opening up go right to amazon yeah. and if they charge i'll pay if it's on prime even better i think it's just on prime so it's going to be the same as borat that is awesome. you're not going to have to pay. It's just on Amazon Prime. They bought it to have there. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I'm rolling with that too. I think I have been so deprived of, of new movies this year because yeah. of the closure of, of movie theaters that I need these streaming services now to start ponying up some, some money to release these movies that aren't going to be released. Also... As our resident financial expert, let me ask you, $126 million, that is like sandwich money to Amazon, right? It's nothing to Amazon. So Are you kidding me? This is a score for them. They, they don't care. That's like a drop in the bucket right? for them. That's nothing. That is nothing. And yeah. who knows how many people that movie is going to bring to their streaming service. Without question. Alone. Without so question. I, th- I would imagine they're going to make that money back. Uh 
just Definitely. just from that just from getting it and then some um continuing with that is that what we got disney has announced from the business side of things that they are doing a massive restructuring of their entertainment business and having everything under one roof so that they could focus more on the company's streaming platforms like Disney Plus and, and Hulu. So all of their entertainment is now under one umbrella. So that's the Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, I, all of it is under one umbrella. And because this, of the COVID of it all and everything, they're shifting more focus to streaming. There's cloud looming. It'll still be releasing features to theaters, but they want to create more content for Disney Plus and Hulu. No. Okay, just no. And I'll tell you why. Like, they're pitching this like it's a good thing. Like, oh, it's just this is going to be efficient. No. When a company like this, and they're the new empire, okay? When a company like this starts to do that, what that means is the little guy is going to have to pay 10 extra dollars a month for all this stuff. That's what this means. Disney came out with the low price to try and, you know, jump into the market and make their splash because Netflix and Amazon and Hulu got the jump on them. You know, now that there's all, that you can do the whole package mm-hmm. deal and everything else, but they were established. So Disney's like, oh, we'll come in with this low, low price and it'll be great. Problem is it worked. So now everybody's on for, you know, some de minimis medial amount of money. And they were like, oh, Jesus, you know, what, what we, you know, now we're releasing movies direct to there. So we're going to come up with, uh, uh, what do they call that thing where you have to buy the film? Disney. The, the VOD. S- oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what they did with Mulan. Right. So well, it's like, okay, well, we'll call it this and then we'll charge them for okay, it. But you're going to see more of that and you're going to see an uptick in price. I here's the thing it. about that is that I don't think that actually worked because I'm going to skip a little bit. Um because this was part of the news, is that um, the new Disney Pixar movie that was supposed to come out to theaters this year, Soul, um, voiced by Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, um, looks really good. That is coming out officially on Christmas Day to Disney Plus with no extra charge like Mulan had. It's just, they're just releasing it on Disney plus. So I wonder if they're shifting more towards like, again, because Netflix is doing this, like they're making blockbuster movies, Netflix and putting a ton of money into these movies and just having them live on their platform with no extra charge, anything like that. So if that's something that could happen where they could start making quality content for their streaming platform, like the Mandalorian, like these Pixar movies, like the Marvel shows we're going to be getting, people are saying they should just release Black Widow already on Disney Plus. Just do it. I I I hesitantly... I'm slowly rolling with it. So very slowly and, and tepidly. Chris. Also because 
they do own Hulu as well. Mm-hmm. And that I think has a ton of potential to actually combat Netflix. Cause you look at um, that Andy Samberg movie that they came out with earlier in the year. Um, I think they could kind of compete that way from two fronts where you have the family focused in Disney plus, and then you have the Hulu FX partnership on that streaming platform more for adults. And they have the the package deal that comes with it that I think is such a great value. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to give it a slow roll. Listen, I I will give it a slow roll because I love how filled with hope and bright eyed you are about Always. this. Always, but I, you know I am me. telling you that evil is lurking at the at the borders of the village, Chris. Okay, this is the beginning of the end of the golden age of streaming at affordable prices. You well, watch. I mean, we've seen it from Netflix already over the past however many years. They're always raising the price, uh, yes. their monthly price. And I think there's supposed to be one coming again in the next six months as well. That brings me to another bit of news. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep jumping around is that Netflix is now doing away with their 30-day free trial period. Apparently... Oh. They have everyone they need already. They're not going to give anything away for free anymore. It's like you're in or you're out. There's no longer a 30-day free trial uh, for Netflix for new users. This is more evidence of the decline of the golden age that I've been talking about. I'm telling you, something evil this way comes. Badness is on the horizon. There's a bad moon rising. I don't, I'm running out of analogies and, and song lyrics. Not goodness. This does not bode well for us. Then again, like who doesn't already have Netflix? I'm kind of, you know what? I'm kind of rolling with it because if you don't have Netflix by now, you don't mm-hmm. deserve a 30 day free trial. It, listen, man, America was built on the 30 day <laughs> free trial. Okay. Since the dawn of our republic, that's what we've done. It's like, listen, guys, why don't you just check this out for 30 days, and then we'll get back to you. You know, satisfaction guaranteed. Send this back in 30 days. We'll replace it with a brand new one. Come to the Continental Congress and listen to what we have to say. In 30 days from now, we'll pass a law. This is what we're all about. So I don't think this is a good sign. Not pleased with it. Shame, shame, shame. Well, a bit of good news. The Mad Max prequel, Furiosa, has cast its young Furiosa in Anya Taylor-Joy. Sorry for mispronouncing your name. They've also (laughs) cast Chris Hemsworth and Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who we just saw on the trial of Chicago 7, did a great job. He's also um, Black Manta in Aquaman. I believe so. Um. And played Dr. Manhattan in um, the television series Watchmen. So, oh, sorry if that was spoilers. I think that was spoilers. You haven't seen it, but that's okay. I knew Um, he was coming. Anyways. Rolling or trolling? Rolling or trolling with it. I'm rolling. I'm rolling because I love the Mad Max universe. I love all three of the original films. I feel like... It was a shame. Uh, first, 
Fury Road, to which this is a prequel to, fantastic mm-hmm. film. Amazing. Fantastic Loved film. It. One of my favorite films in a, in a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, some people rightfully claim that uh, Star Wars Last Jedi mm-hmm. is... Uh, Fury Road in space because essentially they just drive in one direction and then switch directions and drive until they run out of gas, which was essentially the plot of Fury Road, but <laughs> it was made much better by all of the interesting things and explosions that were happening around. So here's my feelings on this. I'm a Mad Max fan from way back. They made a great film in Fury Road. They totally blew their opportunity to tie the worlds together uh, by having um, Mel Gibson appear and do a cameo. I understand that we all have to hate him because that's what, you know, our membership and society tells us we have to do. But the man's a genius actor. He, he embodied and started the role, okay? It was written almost for him. So to, to not include him in any future sequels from his last one, uh, Thunderdome, Beyond Thunderdome, is a crime. So I, I may not, I'm going to roll with this because I, I just want this world to continue and I want them to keep making movies. We did not need a prequel. Just continue the story. That, I will say that. That's my only criticism. Didn't need it. And if you were going to make a prequel, we can make Charlie Theron look younger. That was that is the one thing that was unfortunate. I would have almost liked to have seen a sequel, yeah, starring Furiosa. That could have been cool, so that you could keep Charlize Theron. You don't even have to if you want to do a Furiosa centric movie, do right. a spinoff and continue her story. Um, just because who doesn't love Charlize Theron? And I know she wanted to come back and is actually disappointed that she doesn't yeah. get to. She said it in interviews. That being said, this seems like an awesome cast, so I'll I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I think people roll, didn't know said. what was gonna be expected with George Miller coming back and doing Fury Road, and he more than impressed and, and oh. shocked people with how great that movie was. So I'll definitely give him the benefit of the doubt, and I won't touch the Mel Gibson portion of that because you know I don't think he was neat. I have actually not seen any of the original fury roads which oh, i would like to well, but or, no, sorry mad maxes excuse me yeah. um misspoke so I, I had no tie to mel gibson in, in this series weirdly Fair enough um moving right along back to netflix they are reportedly developing a sherlock jr movie following a younger version of both Sherlock Holmes and Watson, following the success of Enola Holmes? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. And we, it's unnecessary. It's not... It, here's the problem. Here's, our, here's the problem with the world currently. One, we've got to take characters, and instead of just making a Sherlock Holmes movie, or a young Sherlock Holmes movie, which they did in the past and they haven't done again because it was like, you know, ill-received and they didn't continue the story when they, when they had it. Um, and I know me and you have watched the young Sherlock Holmes several times in our youth. 
uh, now we've got to turn it into, you know, girl Lock Holmes, you know, young girl Sherlock Holmes. It's his niece. It's his uh, stepdaughter. It's his, you know, third cousin twice removed. It's this and that. It's, it's, a, it's a Sherlock Holmes. You got to keep like, rolling with that it. fresh IP. Oh, my God. But, but free that's IP. Like, I guess the free IP. But you're not doing anything new. Like, just because – here's the best example. Here's the best example of this total failure. Uh, are you familiar with the, um, the fairy tale Hansel and Gretel? Yeah, they've done that a trillion times. A trillion over. times. A trillion times. But now they just released Gretel and Hansel. Oh, it's all new now because we just reversed the names and we made it, you know, now it's a story about how Gretel has to deal with her brother and his breadcrumbs. Like enough, enough. You want to do another version of Hansel and Gretel? Do another version of Hansel and Gretel. But don't polish a turd and tell me, oh, well, this is timely. And this is just, this is what's going on now. And we've got to, you know, this is going to be great. No, it's the same pile of crap you tried to sell me five years ago. You just reverse the names. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Although I will say I did watch Enola Holmes and it was kind of charming and kind of good. But uh, like we don't need a young – I'm with you. We don't need a young Sherlock. Um, This you'll be interested in. Some James Bond news. Hello. Seems that your favorite thing, they are going to be going away from a tradition – in the opening scene of the movie, oh, really? it will be the first time that the opening scene will not feature James Bond. Wh- why? Like, what? for what reason? It's a f- apparently a flashback scene showing... To someone else's life? To showing L- Leah Sado's, um, her Madeline Swan showing her from early childhood when Rami Malek's character kills her mother. You know what? Listen. Can't knock the it Daniel, till you try it? The, no, <laughs> stop yourself. The Daniel Craig bonds, in my estimation, have been such a dumpster fire to this point that they can just do what they want, just as long as it gets it done. Because this is going to be his last... Hopefully we have a reimagining back to James Bond. Let them tweak, let them change, let them irritate everybody so that when it's finally over, when our long national nightmare is over, we can just say, okay, are we all ready to go back to James Bond again? I think you're one of the rare people who don't like Daniel Craig's James Bond. I am a big fan. Quantum of Solace, no good. Um, And I felt that... What was the most recent one? Not Skyfall. Uh, not Skyfall. Um, Spectre. Spectre was better than people said. Um, but I loved Skyfall and I loved Casino Royale. I know you have your reservations about – not reservations. You don't like Casino Royale. Flat out. You like liked Skyfall though, right? I feel like the last two films, Skyfall and Spectre, were the closest – they've gotten to making a James Bond film since Craig started. So I will give credit that they finally started 
pretending like they're all making a James See, Bond film my, in the last two movies. My thing is with how horribly the Pierce Brosnan era ended. Yes. Like those were not James, like those were really bad. Those were cartoons, right? So I was fine pivoting and saying, you know what, let's give us something serious and something different with James Bond. We've had yeah. 20 iterations of the same thing for the most part already in the, you know, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, um, Timothy Dalton movies. And then, you know, Pierce Brosnan was super nineties and super yes. cartoonish. Let's do something different. Strong. We've done a lot. He did start strong, but we've done a, a lot of this already. Let's just do something new. And it, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it's four out of 25 movies. I'm good with it. I know, but like, I'm getting older, man. Enough of him. Like, we have so stop. many Sean Connery, James Bond movies that are awesome. Uh, like, it's fine that we have four that aren't Sean Connery movies. It's nice. It's nice <laughs> that we have something to cling to, but it's not even Sean Connery. Like, the Sean Connery movies, excellent. The Roger Moore movies, different, but James Bond movies. You know, uh, and here's the thing: I don't like these audience members that are like oh this is great because it's gritty and it's real and he's a tough guy and you know really was swinging out there you only have daniel craig because we got through timothy dalton and everybody hated him everybody was like oh timothy dalton oh one of the worst and isn't that and he was just not good and it was a, it was a different type of bond movie yeah it was the original we're going to take this and be gritty. We're going to try and go to the source material. We're going to try and be, you know, an actual spy and violence and this and that. Yeah, but they did the, the, the difference is like, which like the Timothy Dalton movies, they're not bad. I like, love I, I'm fine with them. Yeah. The, they're but, do, they're but far more visceral and, and gritty than Roger Moore and Sean Connery. Yes, but they're definitely close. Obviously, very obviously closer to those movies yes. than gadgets. Q Daniel Craig's. Yes, are. so like I appreciated them doing so. I, the The thing is, like all of that aside, like they're good movies, which is what it comes down to. James Bond movie, not James Bond movie, whatever. Like I felt like Casino Royale was a really good movie. I'll tell you what, I felt it's like a great born identity. Skyfall movie. was a very good movie too. And, you know, I think it's better than the born identity movies. I do too. It's I more interesting. Like you that. have a character that you love that's doing all this stuff that you know he could do. So let's, you have the, I, you it's have cool. the IP, you have the IP, but he's not really doing much for me with the character. So they're calling it James Bond. But the, the movies they were making were definitely fueled by the success of the Bourne movies. They were like, oh, okay, I guess this is what people want. But we had that. If that's what we wanted, we could go see a Jason Bourne movie. We want Bond. I want him to look into his watch and have a laser shoot out somebody's, you know, eye socket. Like, it's ridiculous, but that's James Bond. I want him to dive into a, a swimming pool filled with sharks and somehow, you know, have a rebreather in his shoe and strangle a shark with his shoelaces like this is a, this is the craziness of james because bond i i think it's more i think it's less of that i think it's less of oh the born movies were successful and more of 
Like, I think a better example of what they did is the Batman movies. Going from a much more, like, cheesy, comic booky vibe, even with the Tim Burton movies, to a more gritty, realistic Batman in the Chris Nolan movies. Like, I think that was more of this sway. And this era of movie making where we have had the reboots like that um, seem to sway in that direction. I I agree. And I would say this. I wished they made a change three years ago because you're right. When they started with Craig, you had the realism. You had the X, the mm-hmm. first X-Men where it's like, of course, we're not going to wear yellow spandex. We'll be in these black leather jumpsuits and try and be real. You had Batman and all that. But now that Marvel has so saturated the popular culture where they're going back to the colorful uniforms and going back. They have to much more materials. of a balance. They have much more of a balance. I would love to see a new James Bond, a reimagining tinge and influenced with the current uh popular culture the current marvel influenced popular culture where it's like we can be fun and get our point yeah, across it, it would be time. cool to, that's what I, want. I, I agree with you that like it'll be interesting to see what the next iteration is if they can capture that balance or if they're going to try to continue doing the same thing because i think it would be cool to like let's have more of a balanced thing because you i even look at something like the mission impossible franchise where they were kind of the opposite and they started super serious right yes. with with the first three okay. and then they kind of morphed into like almost like fast and furious movies we're a little bit where they kind of have more of that vibe They're getting um, it right. even though i love them yeah. um so it's it's just interesting to see these big franchises how they're like mission impossible is going to be the next james bond right they're it's just going to continue forever and ever and someone right. will take over for tom cruise maybe when he's 90 and no longer that's, doing crazy stunts that's the way it um, seems. i yeah it's interesting to, to kind of look at a take a bigger view of these long lasting franchises and seeing how they're changing with time and like what the vibe is like James Bond. I think you, you summed it up like that's, and we, we summed it up with, Mm, you know, they did take a more dark approach because it was influenced by success of other franchises trying it out. And we'll see if maybe they follow or maybe they're going to start something new or go back to the old or, or whatever. It's going to be interesting to see after Daniel Craig's gone, who they're going to cast and what they're going to do with it. Craigers. Next week, we have only real thing of note coming out is The Witches, which we've talked about before, coming out on HBO Max. So we'll watch that and discuss it next week. Yes. Um, other than that, we'll we'll kind of revisit Trial of the Chicago Seven again, and then um, let's get into our suggested movies slash television shows from last week. I watched Friday the Thirteenth again in a dark, yes, nighttime setting. Here's and Neil, you watched 
the outsider the hbo series so who should we who do you want to start with this week do you want to go first or do you want to hear my reaction first i i would like to go first because okay i have very specific things to say mine was a series not a film so Correct. I, it took a little effort of course um, but i'm, I'm going to be quick because i am out on this series interesting yeah i, I thought you were huge, gonna like it i'm a huge stephen king fan huge and i love when his stuff is put in series format because when you stick his stuff in a movie it's not always mm-hmm. the greatest but mm-hmm. in a in a series and he's done several over the years you know the stand which they're making another one up rose red this um I'm blanking on the, I had a fourth, but it's, you know, it's excellent in series format. This was an interesting subject. All right. Native American. um, uh, Like folk villain. The I can't pronounce it. The Kuk. Well, uh, El Kulik. Kuku. El Kuko. El Kuko. But basically it's, I, I the the premise is more it's not just from one right. um culture this it's is just called something different in every culture so it's like right. the boogeyman for, for well, many everybody. people it's for yeah and i like the concept like don't get me wrong i like mm-hmm. the concept here's where it loses me they had they did more than they needed to do so okay. they had more episodes than was needed. Gotcha. Like they're what they're, it felt like they're trying to do a recurring season, seasonal thing. Yes. With Stephen King, just tell the story mm-hmm. and get out. Take three episodes, tell the story. You know, if you really have a, a lot of material, you do four episodes, whatever it is, a, a mini series. That's when it's the best. I felt like, there were episodes that dragged and then mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll admit I kind of hopped along a little bit. The finale, all action, you know, there's a lot yes. going on, but there were, man, it was like, they were stuff that was dragging. I'll say the highlight because I find him to be the highlight in most of what he does is uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh yeah. He's great. I'm watching something now called bloodline. He's really um, good in that too. He is so good in that. I watched and, the first of, season of that. Yeah, and a much like a very different character, you know, in both yeah. series he's got range. He was also in Star Wars to bring us back to yes, kind of our was. origins. Krennic, I think was his name. So like and he's got a really distinct way of speaking. I just kind of like listening well, to Well, he's kind of got a lisp and he's yeah. actually I think he's is he Australian? Or something so he's always doing a, an accent too. A, right so he's always doing an accent yeah. i guess he's got a list but he he, he just sounds cool yeah, like, yeah, to yeah. Me. um and then you know it is hard for me to watch anything with jason bateman in it with then the again though he did get shot in the face so i yes. thought you'd like it <laughs> i yes one of the highlights for some very reason, early on well yes which again, spoiler alert, like there's a, there's a manifestation of this evil that happens. Yeah. And so like th- it, it embodies different actors along the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was an interesting 
um, uh, plot move. For some reason, I can watch Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. I cannot watch him in anything else. I find him hmm. tedious. Interesting. And yeah, I don't care for him. <laughs> um, and and I'll, you know, one other thing where he played exactly the guy I think he is is in The Gift. I don't know if any if you saw. I that. haven't seen it. No. Oh, but he is he is exactly the just king turd on crap mountain that you think he is in real life or that he appears to me so like i liked him in that because i felt like harsh uh, harsh words for jason bateman poor guy he's probably such a delight i know he's probably our only viewer too um (laughs) but you know we'll we'll never get him as a guest on a show can we talk to his people do you call bateman's people (laughs) yeah they said no um but the show was like i people will enjoy it because a good writing great idea i love the the you know stephen king has this concept of don't over explain your villain just have your villain have your monster you know and you can you can see that in it you know those everybody that's watched even the original it it's like he just kind of has a monster they give a a cursory explanation you know you don't need any origins you don't need anything like that this just this exists and that's all you need to know and you need to figure out how to make it not haunt you anymore exactly so it was it was reminiscent of it because you have this big bad that has existed for generations and people need to deal with it so i felt like he was kind of rehashing some material all in all it's a good show i recommend it but it just didn't nail it for me because it was it was a chore it was a bit of a chore i wonder if you would have liked this show more if you weren't binging it and you were watching it week to week because that's how I watched it when it originally came out. Um, And, you know, for for the most part, there were a couple times where like we missed a week. So we watched like two in a row on a weekend or something like that. And that was fine. Um, But yeah, we, we watched it week to week and we were always like looking forward to the next episode, which is, the benefit obviously to something releasing weekly i know people were like all up in arms about the boys season two being released weekly but i i'm kind of i kind of miss that because then you get to digest it and talk about it with people other people that are watching it during the week um so i do wonder if maybe this is just not a show that you're supposed to binge um and if had you consumed it week to week as opposed to just back to back to back to back to back if you would have liked it a little bit more i could i could get that i follow that and it's not non-stop horror it's fun you know yeah i mean not fun but i mean like it's not it's accessible to people that are not horror people so i'm excited for your review friday the 13th sir so Okay, Friday the 13th. Yes. Very relevant, considering we're in that Halloween season. Um, I did not care for almost anything you have in no this movie. taste, sir. I Tasteless. was able to appreciate Halloween for what it was. Although it's not my cup of tea, I thought oh. it was a very good movie. This was no Halloween. <laughs> this uh-huh. was trash. 
It was not good. I don't understand the point of sitting and watching like 10 people in sequence be murdered for almost no reason. What do you mean? Like, oh, you mean like you as the viewer, not like they were me as the viewer. Like me as the viewer, like that right. was the the plot of the movie. There wasn't really much of a plot of the movie. I can see how, like back in the day, the 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 mom's child having died in drowned in a lake would have been like very convincing motivation for all of this or whatever, and a big yeah. twist. Which, like, I kind of appreciated the twist, but for a weirder reason. Because obviously back then that would have been a big twist for being a twist. But for me, it was a twist because I was like, oh, so Jason's not in this movie. Right. Um, But the only reason why I got that is because I just know that Jason exists from 15 Friday the 13th movies. So it was more of like a, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, like the I didn't see that coming was more because I knew just the history of the movie and it right, wasn't you thought because it was of Jason the movie the itself. Um, okay. The one thing I did appreciate, and this might be the only time I will ever appreciate something like this because uh-huh. I hate this more than oh ever. Oh my God, what? I appreciated the jump scare at the very end yeah. when Jason comes up and grabs her. I did not see that coming at all and i hate absolutely hate jump scares like i hate it i hate movies that are that are just based on that like scary movies that that's all they do um but that one got me so good that i had to just be like all right kudos points for that kudos um but other than that like again for me this was just a movie where it was just like okay why are these people all just being murdered Right. And how can none of them, not one of them, hold their own against this lady, this old woman, except for the girl at the end? Because Come they on. don't I know they, it. she they had the element of surprise, it. but still. Element like, of surprise. Give me a break. Listen, she's wily. She's crazy. You saw her talking to her dead son. I know. I just. That scared me, man. That was like, oh, my God. It wasn't. It, it, was, it was creepy. Like, it was scary. Yeah. Um, and, like, they did. It was just like you could see the, and I'm probably being like blasphemous for horror fans, but you could see the difference, especially having watched back to back Halloween and then Friday the 13th. You could see the difference of like how patient John Carpenter is, and then how in Friday the 13th, they're like, oh, we're kind of taking this slow. And then we're like, ah, forget it. Let's just kill this person. It's taking too long. (laughs) Absolutely. So, (laughs) Go ahead. That's that's kind of my sum up. I really did not like this movie. I have no interest <laughs> in seeing any more of them. I of them. I didn't think it was good. I just didn't think it was a good movie. There was no real plot. There's no like, I you know I'm like a it's, film nerd. I like things that are like plot driven and it, like character very, development and good writing and stuff like that. And this just this wasn't that for me. This it's, got, it's the age old debaucherous. It's the first debaucherous teens. They've got to go because they're breaking all the commandments and the Avenger has to come down and smote them. This is 
written by someone who is just jealous of all of those <laughs> teens that got to have fun and they yes. didn't. So those teens were the ones that had to get Speaking killed. Speaking of teens that had fun, who makes an appearance and has probably the most awesome and iconic death? Kevin Bacon. And I saw that coming from a million away, yes. uh, from a million miles away. I was like, he's, she's under the bed. Yes. Also, also, the, the kid's dead corpse is on the top bunk the entire yeah. time they're in that room. And they stand up and walk towards the bed and walk away from it the whole time and don't see him. Listen, Come they on. got other things on their mind. Come okay? on. They're teens. They were done. They, they were done doing the deed. Listen. They were up. They were walking around. She, They're at not one thinking point, straight. She gets up, walks over, changes, turns. She's not at the bed. She turns and looks at Kevin Bacon, and who's on the bottom bunk, and says, right. like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom now, like blah, 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 while it's thunderstorming, whatever. Doesn't see the you know, dead body. Listen, man. Furthermore, and so on. Here, uh, let's talk about this. So, one, let's do a shout out to Tom Savini. Tom Savini is the makeup artist, and he invented. And back in the eighties, late seventies and eighties, he was the king of the practical effect mm-hmm. before CGI. So that arrowhead coming through um, his neck. Spoiler alert! It's so awesome. That was invented by Tom Savini. At the end, where she takes that axe and deals with Mrs. Voorhees, that effect, Tom Savini, creation. And the very end, your jump scare, the makeup on uh, the boy in the lake, Mm -hmm. also this gentleman. Excellent. Kudos to him. Here's my question to you. So one, we know that Halloween starts the slasher franchise. Yes. Right? We don't find out that Laurie Strode is related to Michael Myers till part two. And then that's going to, you know, then they create this, this mythos. Like who is, went, sorry, who is uh, Laurie Strode? Uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Gotcha. Don't find out that Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> is related to him necessarily. Um, you know, then this mythos is but that's created. created for the sake of just sequels. Sequels. Right. I got to go back to the house. I've got to get my relatives, this and that. Gotcha. Friday the 13th is literally a spoof because it's like, oh, Halloween, Friday the 13th. So we'll just make our own. And they definitely right. ramped it up. Your analysis, 100% accurate. I agree. But that's, that's like, that's the quintessence. It's like slasher central. I understand. I just don't like slashers. Yeah. I've just, now that I've, listen, I'm very much... Uh, a try anything once don't knock it till you try it type of person i have now delved into slasher <laughs> the original slasher film and I, it's it's what i thought it was going to be i wasn't going to i didn't I enjoy it i didn't enjoy it here was my question though do you appreciate more the because essentially the friday the 13th are the same from one to, I think they've made I would like 11. I would imagine. But do you appreciate that they, that this first one for having the twist with the mother? I, the twist was fine, but it seemed like it was like convenient. 
almost. Like, it just... There was no, like, allusion to the twist prior to the twist. Okay. So, like, how much of a twist is that, actually? When you have this entire movie, you're not hinting at anything of who the killer is, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're hinting and, and they tell the story like that Jason person. died. They and tell the story this... that the boy died in the lake. They do, so, but they you know. say they tell that with the other stories of people dying yeah, at the camp. So it's like, it's, it's almost just like kind of random. Like, yes, I see the connection obviously, but like, it's just, they just pull this person out of, out of here because, Oh, All, this will make sense for it. And they drop also it kudos to me and kudos to the horror uh, genre, because you know, these two slasher films center on two females where they, they you know they're the ones and not only that not only that but this movie that you just watched has a female antagonist yes. not yes, just protagonist very very and without i'm sure without even even knowing it they were very progressive and they were both both of the female leads hold their own Indeed. They both, especially the one in Friday the 13th, because she's, you know, she's actually the one surviving. Like, Jamie sure. Lee Curtis, she survives. She, you know, hits, but she still has to get rescued, right, in, yeah. in Halloween. But, you know, in, in Friday the 13th, I forget what the girl's name is. Do they bring her back? Is that a thing? Well, kind of. In the um, second one, yeah, she appears she, early I'm sure on. she's like, what is she, like, nuts because she's of what not happened well. to her? She's yeah. not well. Yeah. Anyways. So that was that's how I felt about Friday the Thirteenth. Again, one I enjoyed watching it, you know, just from the standpoint of, you know, making myself laugh with myself like being ridiculous and scared when I knew know it's yeah. stupid. But um, other than that, it's just that type of movie week, just really isn't for me. My picks this week deviate. Interesting. Okay, so should we get into it? Let's get into it. Why don't you go first with your suggestion to okay. me? Well, again, I'm going to keep asking you this while I have my list going of, of options is what are you, what kind of mood are you in this week? All right. So I am in a, you know, I'm in a scare me mood. We're getting closer and closer to the day. We really only have, I guess, one more episode before Halloween and then another yes. one the day after mm-hmm. that'll drop the day after. So let's go. Let's go. You know, get me, hit me with some horror and some scariness. Like, scare me. Okay. I'm going to tr- – I will try – but I'm pretty sure you've seen everything scary that I would have seen already. So there's one suggestion that I'll make that I don't know if you've seen yet or not, but I gotta imagine you've seen it. Have you seen us? No, I haven't. I'm so excited. Yes. I have not seen us. This is legitimately a scary movie. Mm -hmm. It's one that I went and saw. Oh, Interesting. In the theaters by myself. It was during the day, but still, I couldn't resist Jordan Peele just 
having done Get Out and that being absolutely brilliant, I had to see what the follow-up was going to be. And honestly, this was a really, really, really great movie. Okay. It has awesome twists. It's got scares, but I was able to get through it. And it's like, it's legitimately scary. Um, Much more frightening than Get Out was. Um, So, and much more like, Get Out was a horror film, but very much stayed within the the thriller lane. I felt like it was very thrillery and twisty, and more, okay, um, more like kind of Alfred Hitchcock kind of vibe, like or like Twilight Zone kind of vibe, where Us takes that, but just piles on the horror elements to it. Um, so I think you're going to really appreciate this movie because of what it takes from horror film history and what it kind of reinvents and the great twist that it has. Um, so us, that's awesome. I cannot believe that I know. You, I've seen a horror movie that you have not seen. I've looked into it. And it's streaming on it. I think it's streaming on HBO still. I'm not sure. Okay. Now you have HBO. I have it <laughs> i'm a millennial so i have it through my parents uh, glorious okay yes. so then my pick for you should not cost you any money because i believe it is also streaming on hbo okay all right i brought this up to you last week but you were very brave and you decided to opt for a horror true heart i'm a big boy neil i know you are this however as a reward is a a horror farce right okay it is death becomes her okay it as i was explaining uh last week bruce willie yes um meryl streep america's favorite Mm -hmm. and goldie hawn so you can't be afraid of anything that's got Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep in it. Yeah, absolutely. This film, you are going to laugh. Awesome. You're going to be you're going to be interested because it is definitely a unique premise that you've never seen before. Something you've never seen. I guarantee. Um, I'm excited for this because I really think you're gonna have fun. In fact, I would suggest you watch this with your beautiful wife. Really? Yes, because I think the two of you will enjoy yourselves and laugh at all of the silliness whilst being a little dark. Okay. And I think it's paced well enough where it won't be a chore. Uh, I know, you know, her attention span for film, you've got to have a good one. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I'm recommending this to the two of you. Okay. I'm staking my reputation on it because I'm all interested. Right. I all think right. she will enjoy this as well. I think this, holds, this will hold her attention. I like it. I love it. I don't know anything about this movie, which is kind of cool because it seems like a very under the radar movie, even though yes. it has the big names in it. Cult um, So that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to check it out. I literally know nothing about this movie. I don't know what it's about. I've never seen a trailer. I've never seen any of this. So I'm going in completely blind. I don't so know good. what's... I, I know nothing. So that's, that's cool. I'm excited. Ready for it. Love it. I'm excited. All right. I'm watching us. You're watching Death Becomes Her. 
That's right. We are going to finish up our Mandalorian rewatch before the new season starts. Let's oh, yeah. go. And then we're also going to watch The Witches. Oh, yes. Because that should be some fun, right? Be fun. That'll be, that'll so be a good one. Nice Halloween movie to keep up with our themes for the, for this uh this month i i'm just realizing i cannot wait for christmas movie season oh man and the it's movies gonna i'm gonna control. get you to watch you're gonna be um, you're out of control i'm going to be uh, you you think you're i'm going to be unbearable <laughs> <laughs> absolutely unbearable for you and my christmas joy anyways my christmas joy thank you guys again for listening to another episode if you have been with us if you're new please leave a review only if it's positive of course (laughs) subscribe to our uh podcast wherever it is that you're listening on apple on spotify wherever it is it's pretty much everywhere um and again you can also read neil's articles at glued to the screen.com that's glued the number two the screen.com great website awesome articles insight on pop culture and movies and tv and all of that um and you could also listen to our podcast there and until next time neil what do we say to the people stream on